Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sayall, certified professional dog trainer, and we are here to answer your questions about your pets, their behaviors, and what's going on with the Kentucky Humane Society. You are tuned in to Forward Radio 106.5, and you can always visit our website, forwardradio.org. So I'm here with Shelby Schultz today, pet resource manager, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the helpline? Sure. So the helpline is a program that's about six years old now. It all started as a opportunity to increase the amount of resources and connection we have with the community to help try to keep pets in their homes. You know, a lot of people know that the Kentucky Humane Society deals with adoptions and surrender. You know, we do have a lot of programs around that, but we really wanted a resource and a way to help people that are maybe struggling for one reason or another to keep their pet, to be able to have a resource to call, to email, and get resources that they may need so that they don't have to surrender their pet. Or maybe they're not even considering surrender. Maybe it's just something that they're struggling with, whether that be a behavior or needing resources for vet care and things like that. But we wanted to be a resource center for that. And so that's kind of how the helpline came about. And it's kind of evolved and grown over the past six years to where we are today, where we're getting thousands of calls a month. We're giving counseling on behavior issues. We've done a lot of the the research to try to put together resource lists on, you know, anything from help with pet food to low-cost vet care and other organizations that can provide assistance. And then for those that cannot keep their pet, trying to connect them with either rescues or surrendering with us. So it's all about helping the community with their pets. One of the things that I really love about the helpline is that you are actually a part of admissions. Yes. Tell us about how that dynamic works for you and your team a little bit. Sure. The reason that the helpline is part of admissions, even though our main goal is pet retention, is that there are going to be some situations in which people are not able to keep their pets. And if that's the case, we want to be able to help those people still by allowing them to surrender to a place where they feel that their pet's going to be able to find a good home. The idea is that if we can talk to basically anybody that is looking to surrender, we may be able to catch those people that we can help. So somebody that didn't know that there was some options for help with pet food or help with the medical issue that their dog is experiencing or their cat is experiencing. So those people that, you know, maybe there's this one or two issues that if we can give some advice or we can connect them with resources, we can prevent that surrender. But if not, then we can go ahead, instead of transferring them to this department or being like, well, okay, well, here you go, here, talk to somebody else, that we are able to have that conversation of what surrender looks like and getting that started with our program. So we're, we're kind of making those appointments. We're the gatekeepers, I guess, to be able to say, you know, here's how surrender works. Here's when we would have space. Let's set you up an appointment. Um, that's kind of our tie-in with admissions is we're kind of that, that starting place. I know with my department, we actually get to work with you quite a bit because I know so many of the calls you get are behavior related. People that are struggling with everything from potty training to walking on a leash. So what are some of the calls that you tend to get most frequently? I would say the calls that we get, get most frequently are kind of the most common basic behaviors. So house training or litter box avoidance for cats. And then, you know, just my dog is 
crazy and won't listen or chewing up things around the house or chases squirrels and I don't know how to stop him. Kind of your basic issues of my dog is really active or my dog is bored and doing something that I don't want them to. Or same thing with cats that they're doing something you don't want them to or chewing on things. With cats, a lot of chasing after feet and hands. So those are kind of the most common calls that we get are just those typical dog and cat behaviors that can come out in ways that we don't particularly enjoy as humans. I'm definitely going to be asking you some cat questions today. (laughs) Definitely something that I know our listeners want to know more about and questions that you probably get to answer far more frequently than I do in the canine behavior department. So it sounds like a lot of what you end up talking about are things that are pretty natural animal behaviors that Mm. we see as being problem behaviors, but they're really actually animals being animals. And those of us in the behavior community see a lot of these behavior problems as things that are very workable because Mm -hmm. they are natural behaviors. So a lot of the time we're looking for accessible ways for pet owners to be able to provide the things that they need so that they can still do these behaviors right. rather than doing them in a destructive way. Right. I know we, we probably both get a lot of, how do I stop puppy chewing? Yeah. Yeah. How do we stop puppy chewing? How do we stop play biting? How do I stop my dog from, you know, wanting to bark at things? And mm-hmm. obviously these are not super desirable behaviors, But it's incredibly important to understand that dogs will be dogs. They are not Mm -hmm. humans. Cats will do things that are natural to cats. So we really need to find a way to give them an appropriate outlet to that. I would say one of the things we probably counsel the most on isn't so much what to do or how to train your dog as it is explaining why that's a natural behavior, why that's typical, why that needs to happen. So let's get that to happen in a way that is more desirable for us as humans. So it's, it's more about training the, the human and uh, helping them understand why this behavior is happening so that they can maybe forgive it a little bit easier because they understand why it's happening. It's not your dog or cat just being a jerk. Then we can kind of move on to, okay, now we understand why it's happening. So let's understand how to redirect it into a way that's maybe more acceptable for us or, or a more positive way. I think one of the most challenging behaviors is going to be barking. Dogs bark. It is something that they do. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely breeds that are far more vocal than others. So I guess in those circumstances, when we talk about barking, obviously it can be very problematic, especially for people that live in apartment buildings. Right. So what do you tend to discuss with them in those sorts of circumstances where we're trying to balance a natural behavior versus a behavior that can be a particular problem. Absolutely. You know, even if it's a natural behavior, we do have a lot of people that they do live in an apartment. And so there is that risk of complaints. So one of the biggest things we suggest is, you know, is your dog getting enough exercise? Because a lot of times, regardless of breed, barking can be a boredom behavior, but it's also something that dogs, when they're more on edge, when they're more wound up because they haven't been able to expend some of that energy, the more likely they are to kind of focus in on something like somebody walking by or a sound down the street and bark at it because they're more keyed up. Just like, you know, if we're really keyed up, we're going to be more anxious and more likely to maybe snap at somebody. So 
getting your dog enough exercise and giving them that opportunity to be mentally and physically stimulated through training or through an activity allows them to be able to get out some of that nervous or just regular energy so that barking is probably less likely to happen. And then of course, working with the dog, trying to give them tips on how to, okay, we've barked at that person that walked by. So let's refocus our attention on something else. So we don't keep barking because most people would agree like a bark or two is not too bad. It's the continuous bark, 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 barking at something, especially if the dog seems particularly concerned about it. So trying to redirect their attention to, okay, well, let's, let's focus on sit and stay, or let's play with this toy, something that's going to kind of break their focus on whatever's causing the barking and getting their attention somewhere else where they're not going to feel the need to, or be able to bark because they've got a toy on their mouth or, you know, they're doing training with treats. I like that one. One of the things that I often tell my students when we have unwanted behaviors, often it's barking at things that we don't want them to bark at particularly if our dog is a little bored or a little wound up, mm-hmm. when we don't give them something to do, they give themselves things to do that kind of come up with their own assignments, mm-hmm. and which is totally natural. Dogs love to have a job that's, for the most part, what we have bred them to do over hundreds of years. So they want mm-hmm. to respond somehow. The natural responses are often barking. That's not terribly unusual. But if we can recognize and acknowledge that they want to respond in some way, that gives us a Mm -hmm. phenomenal window to be able to tell them, okay, you want to respond somehow, let's respond this way. And then that opens Mm -hmm. an entire universe of possibilities in terms of how do we want them to respond. Dogs that like to bark at delivery people, at the mail, at people coming to the door, it's oh gosh, it's really exciting. There's somebody here. Or the other side of that is, oh gosh, it's really stressful. I'm nervous about it. But the, Mm -hmm. you know, the underlying thing is the same. Oh gosh, this is a thing that's happening in my environment. I want to do something about it. Then Mm -hmm. as you know, when we look at behavior, so often the focus is on what we don't want our dog to do. Those are so many of the questions we get is how do I get my dog to stop doing this? How do I get them to stop barking? How do I get them to stop chewing? And the answer from behavior perspective is, what do you want them to do instead? We get that you don't want Mm -hmm. them to do that. Let's turn that on its head. And how would you like your dog to respond? Because they are going to respond one way or another. What does success look like to you? And often, especially with barking at the door, success is I want my dog to sit politely and wait for whomever it is, either come in or go away. Yeah. From, I think, the owner's perspective, that looks like I want my dog to do nothing. And if we Mm -hmm. roll back a little bit, sit and be quiet are absolutely behaviors. They are things that your dog is doing, even if from human perspective, it looks like nothing. So I think that when we can present it that way, it does take something that looked like nothing and actually empowers them to teach certain behaviors that can address the thing that's the problem. So we've had a lot of dogs going home this year, a record number of dogs that are going home. Are you seeing a trend towards or even away from certain behaviors that you tend to get a ton of questions about? Does this seem to be changing the dynamic of what you're getting calls about? 
Uh, no, not really. I think dogs are going to be dogs. And so the behaviors that we see are, you know, we're not really seeing any new behaviors in terms of more dogs going home just kind of means maybe a couple more having some house training issues or some barking issues or, you know, your typical behaviors. So if anything, we maybe are seeing people that have a little bit more time to be able to work on those behaviors. So thankfully, people seem to be in a position where they're like, okay, this is a behavior that needs to be worked on. We got nothing else going on. So let's, let's work on it. How do I do this? So we haven't necessarily seen any trends towards different behaviors, just maybe more calls about the same types of behaviors that we used to, or we always get. We've been getting a lot more calls about things that Mm -hmm. they would usually just kind of let go until it becomes a very serious problem, which has been really exciting for us, obviously. It's always easier to head off a behavior before it it gets bad or before it becomes a much more serious problem. With people home so much more often, I'm not sure if they're noticing things earlier because they're home. (laughs) Right. Sorry, I have a cat friend in my lap. Appropriate for our show, right? Yes. So I don't know if it's that they're home more often and are just seeing these behaviors more frequently or if they just have more time and are more available to address these behaviors. Either way, the the trend is pretty encouraging. Mm -hmm. We've seen just a lot more interest in addressing behaviors, period. And a lot of that is showing up in people with brand new puppies that want to make sure that they're starting off on the right foot. And the level of awareness that we're seeing with people who are actually acknowledging and understanding the very specific challenges that are coming with this year uh, and the limits in terms of socialization and the things that their dogs are not being exposed to as a result of being in isolation, having to maintain social distance uh, has been really exciting, honestly. I think that's definitely probably one of the challenges we've seen just from all sides of things is, you know, a big part of having a well-rounded dog or a lot of behavior issues can come from not being socialized, whether that's not being socialized with other dogs, not being socialized with kids, not being socialized with people or a puppy, you know, that is in that stage of needing that socialization. So I definitely think that's one of the biggest challenges of this year in terms of pet ownership, regardless of whether you have an adult or a puppy, that socializing or being able to expose them to those different circumstances, or even be able to, you know, if you have a dog that maybe prior to quarantine had some issues with meeting new people or seeing people out and about, um, how do you work on that behavior now that you really can't be around people? So that's definitely, I think, one of the biggest challenges for both us as a shelter and us as a helpline as trainers to try to address those issues that are specifically about socializing your dog. Shelby, you want to tell everybody how they can most easily contact the helpline? Absolutely. We're open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. on weekdays and 4.30 p.m. on weekends. And you can reach us at the phone number 502 509 4738 or by emailing helpline at kyhumane.org. 
You are tuned in to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society on Forward Radio 106.5 in Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be back after a short break. Enjoy some original music by John 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 Slater. Welcome back to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I am here today talking to Shelby Schultz, our pet resource manager. We're talking about a lot of the most frequently asked questions that they get through our free pet helpline and some of the resources they have available. So we were going to take a little bit of time the second half of this episode to talk about some of the questions you get and see if we can give some really basic answers I know that you have some questions that you get all the time. So let's kind of focus on one or two of those and see if maybe we can take some time in this episode to offer some help to our listeners out there. Sure. So probably one of the most common questions that we get is, you know, that my dog is chewing on items that they're finding around the house. So, you know, not, it could be furniture, it could be the kids' toys you know, just kind of all of those objects that are not dog toys that they're finding around the house, whether you're home or not. So that's kind of probably the most common question that we get. And um, our first couple of responses to that or suggestions would be one, where's the dog when you're not at home? Um, The easiest way typically to prevent chewing, unwanted chewing, is to make sure that you are controlling your dog's environment whether that means doing crate training and crating them or isolating them into a room that you can kind of control what's in that area, picking up and making sure there aren't things that are tempting left around the house. So that's usually the first thing we address. Uh, And then we go to talking about that chewing is a very natural behavior. It's how they keep their teeth healthy. It's, you know, natural for them, you know, just as descendants from wolves, they're going to chew on things, you know, whether that sticks in the yard or something in the house. So it is a very natural behavior. It's a very healthy behavior. It's also a boredom behavior. If they can't find something to do, they don't have something going on, they're going to find something to chew on. That dogs chew in different ways. Some dogs will be able to chew on a bone or an ant- deer antler, whatever it is that you're giving them to chew. Just please don't rawhide. Right. You know, some dogs will chew on that for days and days and days and barely make a dent. And then you have other chewers that will rip through a toy in literally less than 30 seconds. So different dogs have different chew styles. And I think it's important to recognize, especially with those dogs that will rip through a toy in 30 seconds. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's can be annoying for us, but that's not a bad behavior. That's just how they like to chew. That's how they enjoy chewing on a toy. So trying not to get upset about the fact that your dog goes through a toy in one sitting, because that's just kind of natural. And then talking about what are some good things that they can chew on, you know, talking about a Kong with peanut butter in it, or maybe a bully stick uh, when you are at home and able to supervise, making sure you're getting your dog activity, whether that's through training or some exercise, a walk, or different types of puzzle toys that you can do to help keep them entertained. So those are kind of the steps that we take to try to address that question of why your dog's doing it and how to redirect them. Something else that I always bring up with that is that it is very important to keep in mind that our dogs do whatever it takes to get our attention. That's often the primary goal. So 
what we can often run into is a dog that will engage with their toys, but we tend to leave them alone if they're doing something that we want them to do. But the second they start chewing on the table leg or they start chewing on the carpet, bam, they get everybody's attention. Everybody is all wound up about it. They're getting tons of input. (laughs) And so they learn really quickly, ooh, chewing on the carpet is the attention button. Okay, noted. Chewing on my bone, chewing on my Kong, super, super boring. It's fine, I guess. But I can get just the same amount of enjoyment and benefit from chewing on this table leg. And it gets me tons and tons of attention. So we can, as owners, be inadvertently rewarding exactly the things that we don't want. And it's important to keep in mind that even negative attention, like being yelled at, being scolded, being chased out of the room, is way more interesting and more rewarding and reinforcing than being completely ignored. And again, going back to natural behaviors, we've bred them to be that way. Look at me, look at me, look at me. They are companion animals and have been carefully bred to work with and live with humans for a very long time. Yeah. That's also something we like to point out in terms of what's more fun for your dog or cat, even in this instance, a toy laying on the ground isn't really that interesting. You know, saying that you, your dog or your cat has plenty of toys and they just don't play with them. A lot of times what we will tell people is, well, that toy might be great, but playing with your dog or playing with your cat is going to be much healthier for them, much more engaging for them than just saying, oh, they have toys and sometimes they bat it around. It's not just enough to have those toys. It's engaging in play with your cat, you know, letting them chase around that toy like it is a mouse and it is moving like a mouse or to play tug of war if it's with your dog or to play fetch or, you know, whatever kind of game that you may play, that toy is going to be much more interesting with your involvement rather than it just laying on the floor. I see that with puppy play biting questions all the time. They bite my hands. I hand them a toy. They still want to chew my hands. And we want to roll back and look at, you know, what happens when they chew your hands. We say, ouch, we pull our hands away. And we need to think about how puppies play Mm -hmm. with each other. They chew on their litter mates. They chew on their friends. They climb on one of the puppies. That Mm -hmm. puppy pushes them off. So when we are doing that to try and stop the behavior, we are very specifically encouraging that behavior because we're playing in exactly the same way that our puppies would play with each other. And then we expect that just putting Mm -hmm. a toy in their mouth is going to fix that issue. So playing with our hands and biting our hands is a far more interesting and a far more dynamic game to play than us just putting, you know, a static toy in their mouth and thinking that that's going to be an adequate replacement. So I always encourage people, yes, replace with a toy. Absolutely. But make sure that you're engaging with that toy, tug that toy a little bit, help them chase it across the floor. So playing tug with a puppy can be very appropriate. We just always encourage you to be very mindful of the fact that they have very delicate developing bodies. So if you do tug, make sure that you're not yanking that toy up and down side to side. We want to make sure that we're protecting their delicate little skeletal system and Mm -hmm. we're not playing tug with them in a way that could be potentially dangerous to them. And just one more quick note on tug. If you're going to play tug with your puppy, just make sure that you're also teaching them how to drop. 
We need to make sure that we have some rules and some manners worked in with a tug game. And the easiest way to do that is just trade them for a treat. Play tug, have a treat in your hand, offer that treat to them. And when they let go of that toy, say drop, hand them that treat. And I don't want to leave our kitty cats out of the discussion. So what is the most common cat question that you get? Actually, for cats, the most common is litter box avoidance uh, in, in its many different forms is typically the question that we get the most. And litter box issues are very dynamic in the sense of there are a lot of reasons why they can happen. Nine times out of 10, you can identify why they're happening and resolve it. But, you know, what's causing that issue can be so many different things. So, you know, we have a lot of conversations with those, those people that are having those issues that are very in detail. It's very about what is your litter box set up? How often are you scooping it? How many pets are in the home? Where's the litter box? All of these questions to try to figure out, is there something going on with the litter box setup? Is there something that's changed in the house that has upset the balance? Is there something that's stressing out the cat? Is there something medically going on that maybe we need a vet visit? So there are a lot of factors that go into litter box issues. And it's kind of having that discussion with the client to try to figure out, again, why are they doing this? Let's understand why they're doing it. Because if we can't understand why they're doing it, we're probably not going to be able to understand how to fix the behavior. The only advice, kind of general advice I can give is just your typical good litter box setup is going to be one for every cat you have in the home that they are not all in one location. That's probably the biggest mistake people will make is I have three litter boxes, but they're all in the same room right next to each other. And so that's basically like having one big litter box. So, you know, that you have multiple litter boxes, if you have multiple cats, that they're not by food and water, that they're not covered. You know, those are all things that are really going to be things that cats don't like. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. They want to be able to see around them, make sure that nothing is going to be able to come up and sneak up on them. So, you know, having an open litter box and scooping it daily, it's not near a washer and dryer that make really funny, weird noises and move. So just being really considerate where you're placing the litter box and the surroundings of it and trying to think of it from a perspective of your cat of like being in that vulnerable position. It often is a detailed discussion, but it is one of the most common issues to try to understand that it's not your cat being a jerk. They're not lashing out because they're jealous, so to speak. They may be stressed out because there's a new cat in the home and they're not getting as much attention, but it's not about jealousy so much as stress. So that's probably the biggest issue that we get from cats in terms of calls to the helpline, because I think it's one of the most misunderstood behaviors that we see in cats. I feel like a lot of cat behaviors tend to be misunderstood and I think that one probably comes up the most often because it is one of the most destructive behaviors, but it's mm -hmm. really great to hear that there are so many things that you can do. I can absolutely admit that I just got some new information myself and I am guilty of making several of those litter box mistakes. Those are all phenomenal suggestions and things that as soon as we finish this interview, I'm going to go make <laughs> some adjustments to my litter box setup for my cats and they Thank you for that. <laughs> so Shelby, before we go today, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Absolutely. One of the biggest things that we struggle with is people contacting us after a behavior has gotten fairly severe or been going on for a really long time. The earlier you reach out for help, the easier it is to address that problem. The worse it gets, you know, the more complicated it is. 
So we really encourage anybody, whether it's, it's just dealing with house training issues or, you know, your more serious behavior issues, reach out as soon as you start to see that and maybe feel like "Mm, that might be a problem. That's when you should contact us so that we can catch it early and help you be able to address that behavior. It's going to be easier for your pet and easier for you. And can we get that contact information for the helpline one more time? Absolutely. Uh, Again, we're open seven days a week. On weekends, it's 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And on weekdays, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And you can reach us at 502-509-4738 or by emailing us at help, H-E-L-P, line, L-I-N-E, at kyhumane.org. Well, Shelby, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today about the helpline, helping us address some of these behaviors that you get asked about so frequently. Thank you so much for having me, and I, and I hope to hear from some of you out there contacting the helpline. And remember that you can always send your questions to us so we can answer those on air, and you can send those to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page or send us an email at behavior at kyhumane.org. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Sit, Stay, Listen on Forward Radio 106.5. If you enjoyed this program, feel free to check us out on forwardradio.org, where you can also find all kinds of other community programming. Everybody take care. Have a lovely rest of your day.